Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the WaxCast podcast. I am your host, Gavin Wax, and this is episode eight. Today, I'm joined by a uh, unique guest, an international guest, our first international guest on the show, uh, someone who I've come to know through uh, international politics, uh, Mr. Davide, Davide Quadri. Davide, thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Davide, I believe you are the international secretary for Lega Giovani. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, I'm international secretary for the youth branch of uh, Lega Salvini. Perfect. Well, you know, a lot of our uh, viewers will probably not be too familiar with Italian politics. So when, when we do go into the details here, I'll need you to maybe explain some concepts, explain some terms, explain some of the figures and the parties and the organizations affiliated. But basically, uh, to summarize, uh, La Lega is uh, the, the populist sort of right wing party that has emerged in Italy, it has like a very federalist component to it, a lot of regionalism, social conservatism. Uh, strong on borders, strong on immigration, et cetera, et cetera. Very close to Trump, very close to Trumpism. So there's a lot of parallels in my club. The New York Young Republican Club was honored to form a partnership uh, with Lega Giovani a few months ago, uh, which has been fantastic for us. And uh, I want to talk about the parallels between what's going on in, in Italy and what's going on in the United States, the rise of this populist movement, the rise of Salvini, how Salvini is now coming under attack uh, from kind of runaway courts, runaway prosecutors, maybe the deep state, however you want to you want to coin it. Um, and all because, you know, he was standing up for, you know, uh, doing his job, essentially, when he was part of government. So can you explain to our American viewers what is going on in Italy? What is going on with Salvini and, and, and what's the future hold for Italy and, and, and the political landscape there? Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a big issue. So if we start with, uh, with the beginning of that history is that uh, two years ago, we started a, go- a government in coalition with the five star. So it would be a truly populist government, as we can say. With, uh, with Lega and uh, with the Five Star, that was uh, the biggest party after the election. They took 32% in the election two years ago, two years and a half ago. And then we made, we, we take only 70%. So we make uh, this partnership, we make a government. After one year in the government, we achieved something, not too much, but at least we achieved a lot of stuff about immigration and security. When Salvini was the interior minister, uh, we blocked uh, all the shipment of the boats, the illegal boats from uh, migrants from Libya and uh, and Tunisia uh, to to Italy. Then uh, uh, something it was broken yes, that that government because uh, it was totally clear that uh, the five star and especially the prime minister Giuseppe Conte uh, sell off everything to the five star to the the European Union, sell off everything to the globalists, uh, try to be to be more accepted, more mainstream. Uh, especially in the European consensus, uh, talking about the more European integration uh, and uh, that situation was pretty clear that uh, was not uh, aligned uh, on everything. Even about immigration, uh, after uh, following uh, uh, our path uh, to stop party immigration, he saw that uh, in the poll we are we we skyrocketed. We came from 17 to 34 percent in the poll. So the it, it was scared. The five star was scared. And uh, attacked us, uh, tried to boycott our agenda, even on immigration. Uh, they boycotted us uh, very strongly about uh, autonomy, uh, about economy. We propose, and we still supporting a flat tax revolution in Italy for taxation. So something very interesting for some uh, viewers. And then uh, the he boycotted all our agenda. Then we became clear that we cannot work together anymore. Uh, one year ago, in August, uh, Salvini uh, handed this cooperation. Say that uh, it's enough. Uh, we have to 
reset the government and uh, change the prime minister or go to the to the election. Uh, Italy is a, uh, a parliament republic, so it's not that we don't we don't have any strong uh, election link between the prime minister and uh, how the election goes. So uh, they formed a new government. They kicked out Lega and they uh, they take in uh, the, the the Democrat Party. So even in the name is clear uh, his, his value and his origin. It's a very uh, left wing. Yeah, it's a liberal left wing. So they came from the liberal centrist. Now nothing more because Renzi is splitted. Uh, but uh, they in the past it was from the left. Uh, to the far left, uh, to the center, liberal. It was a catch-all party. Yeah, but with, now uh, it's more on classic left, and they have a two party that cover more the uh, Antifa type of uh, left wing and the more uh, even communist kind of communist and the liberals like uh, Matteo Renzi and his uh, right. his party. Uh, so they make this uh, this government. And uh, even, in, especially during that time of changing of the government, the, the, judici- the judicial system became more active and strong against us. Uh, they opened a lot of immigration, a lot of uh, in, uh, per- persecution against Salvini for uh, kidnapping the illegals, because when uh, he blocked the boats, when he blocked the, uh, the shipment uh, that came from Africa, the, from the illegals came in, uh, the, someone uh, go to the to the court and say no, he's kidnapping some person because he is not they right they have the right to come they cannot be stopped in the middle of the sea and then so just uh, to explain that just to explain that to to, to the people listening it, it's kind of insane that his job as the interior minister was to enforce you know immigration law was to enforce border security and through the course of his his. Uh, ministerial duties within the government, um, he was, you know, forced to detain people and to prevent people from landing on Italian soil. And because he did that, they are now hitting him with kidnapping charges, which is yeah, the most insane the thing ever. And and did he not have? Because you know, in most government positions, you have some kind of immunity. You have immunity from many of these things through the course of working in your in your elected position and your appointed it. position. We have it. But uh, the parliament can revoke it, ah. and then uh, the same people that uh, vote for the registration of immigration when we was in the government together, the same people, uh, after one year, they vote to persecute Salvini for that. So that is a uh, that is a corrupt system, a corrupt yeah. system, and yeah. a system that uh, you know it seems to be replicated across the world with many activists, jury, uh, uh, justices, judges, and and prosecutors going after political opponents and abusing and twisting the law. Uh, to suit their agenda. Now, how do you think this is going to end up for Salvini? Do you think he'll be vindicated, or do you think he'll become a political prisoner in Italy? I don't think. I, I'm not sure that uh, at the end uh, the the judicial and the the judge have the interest to put it in jail or do something like that. Uh, but uh, it's making a new it's making a new spotlight on immigration because with COVID uh, everything was suspended, democracy was suspended, uh, uh, everything politics was suspended. But then uh, with that issue uh, is uh, more now on the spotlight because uh, they are persecuting him for doing something that was uh, very, very popular. Even the left is doing not now the same, but before Salvini, when there was the Gentiloni government, before the election, two years and a half or three years ago, uh, they are pushing the same agenda. They was very strong against immigration. 
but then uh, so they know they know that the voters like it the voters are in supporting of that because they don't want uh, no borders they want real borders so uh, i think it's for it's kind of uh, uh, interesting because it can have uh, some good impact for us in the poll, uh, but uh, and at the same time, it's for them to to show how they can uh, change the face every time. Uh, yeah, two years, two days ago, when there was the trial, when Salvini was in um, in uh, in Sicily for that. Or yes, yesterday, I think not two days ago. Yesterday, there was a minister that was uh, the, the minister for um, the infrastructure, so he's also in charge of the, the coastal guards. And uh, he say, I don't remember if I signed the, the, the act to block the, the boats. When there is the, the same person have a video one year ago, say, we together, not only Salvini, blocked the boats. So it explained a lot how, we, how it's corrupt and fake that. A lot of they, betrayals, a lot of phoniness, a lot of two-facedness, because yeah. they were all part of the coalition originally and they were all on the same page and now they've all yeah. thrown them to the wolves. Yeah, now, if you think, uh, Mr. Conte, the, the Italian, unfortunately, Prime Minister, uh, after seeing the, the law, the secure for for immigration and also for security law that was proposed by Salvini uh, last last week, uh, is supported that the government have to change the, that that law. The same person. So in uh, in the Chamber of Deputies, when there is voting on that, a lot of people from Lega and from other right wing party. Take up the, the picture with Salvini and Conte sharing the documents and say we have to see, we have seen it that. So now they are changing the face for everything. And now uh, you mentioned earlier that basically uh, democracy in Italy has been suspended because of COVID. Um, what does that mean for the future of Lega? When are the next elections? Do you have hope for increasing your mandate, for increasing seats, for increasing control? Do you think Lega will continue to grow as a party? Or do you think uh, a lot of these things have set it back politically? Well, we have had a regional election in September. Uh, we have win, not too much, but we have win. Uh, now we, we control uh, like a right-wing coalition, 15 out of 20 region in Italy. So we are controlling uh, a lot of territory. Uh, in the poll, the right-wing coalition uh, is polling around the 48, 52% uh, daily. So maybe there is some uh, shifting of the votes uh, inside the coalition because uh, maybe even about COVID uh, or about some situation, the voters maybe change their mind, but in the same galaxy, in the same coalition. Uh, so I think at, at, at the, as soon as possible that we get national election, I think is only up to the right wing to make a government, only us. Uh, but uh, the time, I think it's going to be creepy because if we, the official uh, deadline would be in 2023. But then uh, we have also the election of the president of the republic. And uh, six months before and six months after the election of the president of the republic, that is elected by the parliament, he cannot dissolve the parliament. So there is a one year when everything is kind of suspended. So I think it can be at least in the end of 2022, 2023, that we can have a normal election. I hope that can be uh, easily before, because this government, even if it's... uh, That that government is only the... The point is uh, not allow Salvini to take the power, not allow Salvini to win the election. That's all that that's, unifies them. Yeah, that is the only point that they can take them together. Uh, but even if they have that score, that score, that uh, the goal, they are fighting each other a lot. 
uh, about the European Union, uh, about even some personal stuff, uh, personal situation. So they are not governing very well, and maybe more the centrist and liberal can push for uh, change the government. I don't think they can push for a new election because they know that they will dissolve. They don't take any seat, uh, they disappear. So they are polling very bad. So they don't have any any gain in calling for uh, for snap election. But yeah. uh, maybe to change something in that government, you know, Italian politics it's very usually is very chaotic. It changes a lot uh, yeah. daily. We can have a government, and then after three months another. So it's it's very it's complicated very to have a, a clear prediction of what is going on. Yeah, it's very typical for Italy, uh, you know, the, the, the chaos and uh, how complicated things may seem, especially to an American audience. But uh, I yeah. wanted to ask you, I mean, originally this was kind of this, maybe not right wing, but certainly a populist coalition with uh, Cinque Stelle. Uh, what happened to them? Are they are they phonies? Are they are they legitimate? What What is their basis? What is their ideology? Now, because- now they are collapsing that uh, they take 32 percent. Now they are polling uh, between 10 and 15. So they have disappeared. Where is Lega polling? Where is Lega polling? Lega is still polling around uh, 25. We take so would 30, that, we take would that make it the largest party? Would that make it the largest party? Yeah, we still be the largest party in Italy. We take 34 in the European election, but we know that also European election is a different scenario than a normal uh, national election. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the voters is different. So we're still polling uh, like the biggest party around 25 uh, to 30. Depends by also, especially that during that uh, COVID time, it was more complicated for a populist uh, movement to to take uh, the, in the good type of populism because you you need the people, you need to campaign, you need to stay on the with the people to travel a lot, and uh, with COVID you cannot do it. You don't have a rally. It's the first year that we don't have any national rally like Lega. Sad. So Sad. it's very it's very complicated to have uh, even the spotlight with that situation because when you have a rally you have the national spotlight people look right. at you television talk about you so without that it's very it's very complicated it's killed everything it's killed everything but that's what so, i wanted to actually touch on next covid in italy because you know when when covid was first emerging you know one of the first countries it hit in the west yeah. was italy it hit it hard and we saw the numbers and the numbers of the the, the death count and the number of people dying it was it was extremely high it was horrendous everyone got very worried because when the numbers in china or the numbers in iran no one really believed them because they didn't know what was real what was fake but when it came to italy they said okay this is a western country this is a democracy these are real numbers. This is scary. And that was kind of the impetus for a lot of the mass hysteria. A lot of people got scared. They shut down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Italy was originally at like the core of it. What is the situation now in Italy? Uh, are people pushing back against the lockdowns? Are they pushing back against the mandates? Are they are they sick of this? Is it still uh, impacting Italy medically? I mean, what, what is the situation? Well, for China, we are the, the first country that made COVID, but that's a, it's a, another funny story. <laughs> <laughs> not, not so funny, not so funny. Well, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's not funny. It's not yeah. funny. Well, uh, the situation in Italy is still very complicated, happily, because we was the most infected European country. We have the most the number of deaths, or we are uh, uh, compared to people. So we are not in a very in a very good situation. There is no uh, Italian good job benchmark for COVID, not at all. A lot of uh, the, our government used to say that the people, the WHO, say that we are the best study uh, case for how to uh, engage with COVID. Not true. And if 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 you, if you believe the WHO, I think it's it's a problem. Uh, but uh, despite that, uh, we are not in a very 
good situation. Now we have relaxing the restriction for Christmas, and because the healthcare is going is doing better, because we know how to treat, we have more uh, uh, high um, intensity health or unit uh, health unit in the hospital. So we are improving a lot. But then the situation is not uh, totally free. We still have a mask mandate everywhere. Uh, we have had the lockdown until uh, today, is thinking not all Italy, uh, not so strict like the first one, but uh, street because we have uh, now the restaurants are reopening, but only in the after, only in, um, in the after, in the, yes, in the for lunch, not for dinner, right. and uh, so to because COVID to only spreads at night. Remember? Yeah, yeah, on the night, and they have to limit the social activity. At least uh, we was not so um, in, so strict like uh, maybe France or now Germany or here in Belgium where I live. That is more uh, was very very tough. Uh, you think that even there, uh, all the religious uh, places are closed. We don't have any mass, any. But even for the other communities, kind of uh, in Italy, at least we still have it, and uh, it's still a kind of normal that situation. But uh, was not so easy. And the people uh, are uh, sick and tired of that situation. But uh, I don't believe that people are really uh, open to uh, don't trust uh, and to distrust what is going on, to uh, re- reject the mask mandate and stuff like that, because it was very, very scary. And everyone now, this is a very uh, social uh, creepy situation, because today all the shops are open in, in Milano and uh, in all the big city, so it's full of people going to shop because it's Christmas time, and people are, now people want to leave. They spend the one two months at home. They want to go outside, but the same people that maybe are outside are on the social media blaming because people is outside, and now we we are gonna die. So I think it's it's a very also psychological bubble that's that the situation with COVID that we we need some year to understand how how tricky was and how tricky. Yeah, and also how tricky is the situation when a society can freeze itself uh, to preserve? Uh, we don't know yeah, what, it, but uh, it, it's it's this technocratic uh, dictatorship, and it's uh, sweeping the world—not just Italy, the United States, all of Europe. It's a real sad state of affairs. I mean, something else I wanted to touch on is is how Lega changed, how le- how Lega changed under Salvini. Uh, you know, it used to be Lega Nord. It was re- really just a northern regionalist type of party. Um, it didn't have a coherent ideology. You know, there were people that were more on the left, there were people more on the right, but they were sort of united by this sort of, uh, you know, regionalist type of approach. Now with the dropping of Nord and you've made gains, I believe, in the south and you've started to branch out to other regions of Italy. Um, is this changing uh, of the party in terms of rebranding it to be all of Italy, to rebrand it to be more right wing? Is that what you attribute a lot of the success and uh, gains that Lega has made over the last few years? Yeah, kind of. We have a very, we still have the historical voters because uh, where I came from, I'm from Varese when Lega was founded in uh, 1982. So, and also I'm in Lega since uh, when I was 16. So it's around 12 years or uh, uh, something like that. So we think ideologically, we still have uh, the same path, uh, more uh, regionalist, uh, more identitarian, not globalist, uh, and so we st- and also for less taxation. So that is the point that we have or have had and everything about that the taxation, immigration, and identity. Uh, but we have approached it to a more uh, national party. We are 
we have win. We have we have uh, the mayor of uh, Potenza in Basilicata in the deep south. We have uh, the governor in Calabria now. Uh, was a deputy governor. Unfortunately, the the, the former governor died. So now is the is the governor. We have uh, the, the governor in Sardinia. So we have uh, we are a national party, at, uh, and also we are we are polling very good uh, in the south, especially in some more uh, uh, rural parts because they are more conservative and they are not uh, uh, any type of uh, liberal or maybe assistential also uh, uh, type of voters. Uh, and that's it's very interesting because if you see also the poll in the north and the the, the, the election in the north becoming nationally we have gained more even locally so it's like a, it's a very interesting situation because um, even i think that the same voters because they are not changing too much in the small village and in some the countryside that uh, are voting more uh, relaxed to lega when it became a national party than when it was only a local party so it's kind of interesting stuff and it's that's had a was, down, down effect yeah and also it's very i think is very figured also on Salvini character because uh, people, especially uh, after the 90s, became more uh, uh, interesting in the person that they vote. So it became more a personal vote. And Rather than party. Uh, helped, yeah, and that's helped a lot. And what do you think about how Italy and, and Lega play into this sort of global shift to the right with populist movements rising in the U.S. with Trump, in Brazil with Bolsonaro, in Hungary with Orban, in Poland with uh, with Duda, with uh, whoever it may be? There seems to be a rising uh, movement towards the right in France with Le Pen, whoever it is, uh, Farage in the U.K. with Brexit. Uh, do you think that this is um, – it's all sort of tied together. Where do you see the commonalities? Why do you think that this has been happening? Well, I think that the point is that people is a sick of tired of the globalism. They want to care about uh, their belly, so their local interest and their national interest. So that is uh, it's a very international trend. It's not uh, something focused on only some uh, some uh, some country. But uh, I think at the same time, uh, we have to uh, the challenge now, especially after COVID. To recognize that uh, this is my point of view that we need a new synthesis. We need a new uh, synthesis about what to uh, use the uh, the strong the, the wave of populism and the that, that strong leadership to appeal also with a more uh, 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 I don't know how to say perfectly, but it's a, a new type of establishment. So we right. need to we need to grow more our community, our uh, future uh, uh, people leaders. inside the party, future leaders, yeah. people in charge of everything. Because we see that we, uh, uh, if you don't have it, uh, you it's like a, a wave; they can go and go out. If you have uh, the structure to take it and stay there, like what they have done in Poland and in Hungary. Uh, it's impressive, and that is the maybe the, the, the good example how to approach it. Because uh, without that, it's the, we can have, we can still be too weak to to uh, to, to, to confront that. And also, yeah. the, and the same point is uh, about uh, uh, democracy. We we believe in democracy, but at the same time, we don't have to uh, idealize. Yes, to put like a, a religious stuff about uh, right. how democracy can save everything. Because the, the left don't believe it, and they use democracy for their purpose. And yep. it's uh, what's happened, I think, uh, 
in the in the blue city in, 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 yeah. in the US it's a, it's a something like that but it's also something very very common if you yeah. think when uh, in uh, in Austria in Austria they uh, appoint uh, the president of the republic Mr. van der Bellen, three or four years ago with postal vote with postal vote and uh, after he was elected they discovered that it was a fake it was a fraud so it's clear that uh, they have the character and uh, the they are um, lucid enough to understand that it's something that we need to arrange with that stuff and we if we still be more too much a boy scout we will never win again no that that's interesting and you're right i mean it's uh, we respect many democratic principles but we're not you know embracing mob rule they can't be criminals they can't be uh voting vice i mean it, it's basic it's basic protections that many people try to uh destroy in order to advance their ideology under the guise of democratic values which is all a sham but anyway i hear the church bells ringing behind me so i think that'll uh this will be a good point uh to, to conclude this i'm really glad that you came uh on the podcast gave us a bit of a brief in terms of what's going on in italy what's going on with the populist right in europe etc i want to pass the last word off to you and where people can find follow you where they can follow uh lega giovani or just lega in general and and uh, stay in touch thank you very much gavin for your invitation looking forward to do it more whenever you want uh people if you want to follow and be updated on what's happening in um in italy you can follow me on twitter uh, on facebook on parlor also or whatever uh, even uh, lega channel are on youtube on uh, facebook twitter so we we don't have a a, a part of the website in english but uh we have people that talk English in the party, so it's uh, we can do it. Thank you very Perfect. much. Thank you. Thank you, Davide. And everyone stay tuned for the next episode of the Waxcast, which will be coming very soon.